Hey guys, Joe here with the Modern Heathen Man. I want to thank you all for joining me of these installments of the Prosetta, um, one of my favorite books um, to read because it's so outright and it gives us a lot of information on what we believe in. Um, before I begin this one, this marks our halfway point. Um, I'd like to go ahead and do the prayer once again that I haven't done in a while. So gods and goddesses, Aesir and Vanir, thank you for the blessings you have given me. Thank you for being with me. I ask you to continue to bless me and be by my side. I ask you to help me to face the decrees of the Norns with courage, honor, and frith. And I ask you to help me do this, do the best that I can for my faith, my ancestors, my family, and my kindred this day and every day and always. Grant me wisdom, honor, strength, and frith to continue to bring honor to you and my ancestors. Hail the gods. So that's our morning prayer. Um, you don't have to use that one exactly. You can choose to change it up if you like. Build your own prayer out of that. It's a really good thing. Anyway, without any further ado, I'm going to bring you the Prozetta. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, tell you that the great heathen businesses that are advertised on there by me are definitely um, really good places to visit if you get a chance. So without any further ado, here's the Prozetta, guys. Hey guys, Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and... Um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such. Wonderful work that this man does. Carves everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small D poles of 5 to 6 inches for $40. 7 to 8 inches for $45. 9 to 10 for $50. And 11 to 12 for $60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Baldr, Bragi, Hemdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Njord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So he can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you. So anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Gilfagening, sections 45 to 48 of the Prose Edda by Snorri Sturluson, translated by Arthur Gilchrist Brodeur, 1888 to 1971. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Section 45. Thereupon he, Thor, 
left his goats behind and began his journey eastward toward jutunheim and clear to the sea and then he went out over the sea that deep one but when he came to land he went up and loki and thjalfi and ruskva with him then when they had walked a little while there stood before them a great forest they walked all that day till dark thjalfi was swiftest footed of all men he bore thor's bag but there was nothing good for food as soon as it had become dark they sought themselves shelter for the night and found before them a certain hall very great there was a door in the end of equal width with the hall wherein they took up quarters for the night but about midnight there came a great earthquake the earth rocked under them exceedingly and the house trembled then thor rose up and called to his companions and they explored farther and found in the middle of the hall a side chamber on the right hand and they went in thither thor sat down in the doorway but the others were farther in from him and they were afraid but thor gripped his hammer shaft and thought to defend himself then they heard a great humming sound and a crashing but when it drew near dawn then thor went out and saw a man lying a little way from him in the wood and that man was not small he slept and snored mightily then thor thought he could perceive what kind of noise it was which they had heard during the night he girded himself with his belt of strength and his divine power waxed and on the instant the man awoke and rose up swiftly and then it is said the first time thor's heart failed him to strike him with a hammer he asked him his name and the man called himself skrymir but i have no need he said to ask thee for thy name i know that thou art asa thor but what hast thou dragged away my glove then skrymir stretched out his hand and took up the glove and at once thor saw that it was that which he had taken for a hall during the night and as for the side chamber it was the thumb of the glove skrymir asked whether thor would have his company and thor assented to this then skrymir took and unloosened his provision wallet and made ready to eat his morning meal and thor and his fellows in another place skrymir then proposed to them to lay their supply of food together and thor assented then skrymir bound all the food in one bag and laid it on his own back he went before during the day and stepped with very great strides but late in the evening skrymir found them night quarters under a certain great oak then skrymir said to thor that he would lay him down to sleep and do ye take the provision bag and make ready for your supper thereupon skrymir slept and snored hard and thor took the provision bag and set about to unloose it but such things must be told as will seem incredible he got no knot loosened and no thong end stirred so as to be looser than before when he saw that this work might not avail then he became angered gripped the hammer mjolnir in both hands and strode with great strides to that place where skrymir lay and smote him in the head skrymir awoke and asked whether a leaf had fallen upon his head or whether they had eaten and were ready for bed thor replied that they were just then about to go to sleep then they went under another oak it must be told thee that there was then no fearless sleeping at midnight thor heard how skrymir snored and slept fast so that it thundered in the woods then he stood up and went to him shook his hammer eagerly and hard and smote down upon the middle of his crown he saw that the face of the hammer sank deep into his head and at that moment skrymir awoke and said what is it now did some acorn fall on my head or what is the news with thee thor 
but thor went back speedily and replied that he was then but new wakened said that it was then midnight and there was yet time to sleep thor meditated that if he could get to strike him a third blow never should the giant see himself again he lay now and watched whether skrymir were sleeping soundly yet a little before day when he perceived that skrymir must have fallen asleep he stood up at once and rushed over to him brandished his hammer with all his strength and smote upon that one of his temples which was turned up but skrymir sat up and stroked his cheek and said some birds must be sitting in the tree above me i imagined when i awoke that some dirt from the twigs fell upon my head art thou awake thor it will be time to arise and clothe us but now ye have no long journey forward to the castle called utgardr i have heard how ye have whispered among yourselves that i am no little man in stature but ye shall see taller men if ye come into utgardr now i will give you wholesome advice do not conduct yourselves boastfully for the henchmen of utgarda loki will not well endure big words from such swaddling babes but if not so then turn back and i think it were better for you to do that but if ye will go forward then turn to the east as for me i hold my way north to these hills which ye may now see skrymir took the provision bag and cast it on his back and turned from them across the forest and it is not recorded that the aesir bade him godspeed section forty six thor turned forward on his way and his fellows and went onward till midday then they saw a castle standing in a certain plain and set their necks down on their backs before they could see up over it they went to the castle and there was a grating in front of the castle gate and it was closed thor went up to the grating and did not succeed in opening it but when they struggled to make their way in they crept between the bars and came in that way they saw a great hall and went thither the door was open then they went in and saw there many men on two benches and most of them were big enough thereupon they came before the king utgarda loki and saluted him but he looked at them in his own good time and smiled scornfully over his teeth and said it is late to ask tidings of a long journey or is it otherwise than i think that this toddler is oku thor yet thou mayest be greater than thou appearest to me what manner of accomplishments are those which thou and thy fellows think to be ready for no one shall be here with us who knows not some kind of craft or cunning surpassing most men then spoke the one who came last who was called loki i know such a trick which i am ready to try that there is no one within here who shall eat his food more quickly than i then utgarda loki answered that is a feat if thou accomplish it and this feat shall accordingly be put to the proof he called to the farther end of the bench that he who was called logi should come forth on the floor and try his prowess against loki then a trough was taken and borne in upon the hall floor and filled with flesh loki sat down at the one end and logi at the other and each ate as fast as he could and they met in the middle of the trough by that time loki had eaten all the meat from the bones but logi likewise had eaten all the meat and the bones with it and the trough too and now it seemed to all as if loki had lost the game then utgarda loki asked what yonder young man could play at and thialfi answered that he would undertake to run a race with whomsoever utgarda loki would bring up then utgarda loki said that was a good accomplishment and that there was great likelihood that he must be well endowed with fleetness if he were to perform that feat 
yet he would speedily see to it that the matter should be tested then utgarda loki arose and went out and there was a good course to run on over the level plain then utgarda loki called to him a certain lad who was named hugi and bade him run a match against thialfi then they held the first heat and hugi was so much ahead that he turned back to meet thialfi at the end of the course then said utgarda loki thou wilt need to lay thyself forward more thialfi if thou art to win the game but it is none the less true that never have any men come hither who seem to me fleeter of foot than this then they began another heat and when hugi had reached the course's end and was turning back there was still a long bolt shot to thialfi then spake utgarda loki thialfi appears to me to run this course well but i do not believe of him now that he will win the game but it will be made manifest presently when they run the third heat then they began the heat but when hugi had come to the end of the course and turned back thialfi had not yet reached mid-course then all said that that game had been proven next utgarda loki asked thor what feats there were which he might desire to show before them such great tales as men have made of his mighty works then thor answered that he would most willingly undertake to contend with any in drinking utgarda loki said that might well be he went into the hall and called his serving-boy and bade him bring the sconce horn which the henchmen were wont to drink of straightway the serving-lad came forward with a horn and put it into thor's hand then said utgarda loki it is held that this horn is well drained if it is drunk off in one drink but some drink it off in two but no one is so poor a man at drinking that it fails to drain off in three thor looked upon the horn and it did not seem big to him and yet it was somewhat long still he was very thirsty he took and drank and swallowed enormously and thought that he should not need to bend oftener to the horn but when his breath failed and he raised his head from the horn and looked to see how it had gone with the drinking it seemed to him that there was very little space by which the drink was lower now in the horn than before then said utgarda loki it is well drunk and not too much i should not have believed if it had been told me that asa thor could not drink a greater draught but i know that thou wilt wish to drink it off in another draught thor answered nothing he set the horn to his mouth thinking now that he should drink a greater drink and struggled with the draught until his breath gave out and yet he saw that the tip of the horn would not come up so much as he liked when he took the horn from his mouth and looked into it it seemed to him then as if it had decreased less than the former time but now there was a clearly apparent lowering in the horn then said utgarda loki how now thor thou wilt not shrink from one more drink than may be well for thee if thou now drink the third draught from the horn it seems to me as if this must be esteemed the greatest that thou canst not be called so great a man here among us as the aesir call thee if thou give not a better account of thyself in the other games than it seems to me may come of this then thor became angry set the horn to his mouth and drank with all his might and struggled with the drink as much as he could and when he looked into the horn at least some space had been made then he gave up the horn and would drink no more then said utgarda loki now it is evident that thy prowess is not so great as we thought it to be but wilt thou try thy hand at more games it may readily be seen that thou gettest no advantage hereof thor answered i will make trial of yet other games but it would have seemed wonderful to me when i was at home with the aesir 
if such drinks have been called so little but what game will ye now offer me then said utgarda loki young lads here are wont to do this which is thought of small consequence lift my cat up from the earth but i should not have been able to speak of such a thing to asa thor if i had not seen that thou hast far less in thee than i had thought thereupon there leaped forth on the hall floor a grey cat and a very big one and thor went to it and took it with his hand down under the middle of the belly and lifted up but the cat bent into an arch just as thor stretched up his hands and when thor reached up as high as he could at the very utmost then the cat lifted up one foot and thor got this game no further advanced then said utgarda loki this game went even as i had foreseen the cat is very great whereas thor is low and little beside the huge men who are here with us then said thor little as ye call me let any one come up now and wrestle with me now i am angry then utgarda loki answered looking about him on the benches and spake i see no such man here within who would not hold it a disgrace to wrestle with thee and yet he said let us see first let the old woman my nurse be called hither ellie and let thor wrestle with her if he will she has thrown such men as have seemed to me no less strong than thor straightway there came into the hall an old woman stricken in years then utgarda loki said that she should grapple with asa thor there is no need to make a long matter of it that struggle went in such wise that the harder thor strove in gripping the faster she stood then the old woman essayed a hold and then thor became toddy on his feet and their tuggings were very hard yet it was not long before thor fell to his knee on one foot then utgarda loki went up and bade them cease the wrestling saying that thor should not need to challenge more men of his bodyguard to wrestling by then it had passed toward night utgarda loki showed thor and his companions to a seat and they tarried there the night long in good cheer chapter forty seven but at morning as soon as it dawned thor and his companions arose clothed themselves and were ready to go away then came there utgarda loki and caused a table to be set for them there was no lack of good cheer meat and drink so soon as they had eaten he went out from the castle with them and at parting utgarda loki spoke to thor and asked how he thought his journey had ended or whether he had met any man mightier than himself thor answered that he could not say that he had not got much shame in their dealings together but yet i know that ye will call me a man of little might and i am ill content with that then said utgarda loki now i will tell thee the truth now that thou art come out of the castle and if i live and am able to prevail then thou shalt never again come into it and this i know by my troth that thou shouldst never have come into it if i had known before that thou hadst so much strength in thee and that thou shouldst so nearly have had us in great peril but i made ready against thee eye illusions and i came upon you the first time in the wood and when thou wouldst have unloosed the provision bag i had bound it with iron and thou didst not find where to undo it but next thou didst smite me three blows with the hammer and the first was least and was yet so great that it would have sufficed to slay me if it had come upon me where thou sawest near my hall a saddle-back mountain cut at the top into three square dales and one the deepest those were the marks of thy hammer i brought the saddle back before the blow but thou didst not see that 
so it was also with the games in which he did contend against my henchmen that was the first which loki did he was very hungry and ate zealously but he who was called logi was wildfire and he burned the trough no less swiftly than the meat but when thialfi ran the race with him called hugi that was my thought and it was not to be expected of thialfi that he should match swiftness with it moreover when thou didst drink from the horn and it seemed to thee to go slowly then by my faith that was a wonder which i should not have believed possible the other end of the horn was out in the sea but thou didst not perceive it but now when thou comest to the sea thou shalt be able to mark what a diminishing thou hast drunk in the sea this is henceforth called ebb tides and again he said it seemed to me not less noteworthy when thou didst lift up the cat and to tell thee truly then all were afraid who saw how thou didst lift one foot clear of the earth that cat was not as it appeared to thee it was the midgard serpent which lies about all the land and scarcely does its length suffice to encompass the earth with head and tail so high didst thou stretch up thine arms that it was then but a little way more to heaven it was also a great marvel concerning the wrestling match that thou didst withstand so long and didst not fall more on one knee wrestling with ellie since none such has ever been and none shall be if he become so old as to abide old age that she shall not cause him to fall and now it is truth to tell that we must part and it will be better on both sides that ye never come again to seek me another time i will defend my castle with similar wiles or with others so that ye shall get no power over me when thor had heard these sayings he clutched his hammer and brandished it aloft but when he was about to launch it forward then he saw utgarda loki nowhere then he turned back to the castle purposing to crush it to pieces and he saw there a wide and fair plain but no castle so he turned back and went his way till he was come back again to thrudvangar but it is a true tale that then he resolved to seek if he might bring about a meeting between himself and the midgard serpent which afterward came to pass and i think no one knows how to tell thee more truly concerning this journey of thor's section forty eight then said gangleri very mighty is utgarda loki and he deals much in wiles and in magic and his might may be seen in that he had such henchmen as have great prowess now did thor ever take vengeance for this har answered it is not unknown though one be not a scholar that thor took redress for this journey of which the tale has but now been told and he did not tarry at home long before he made ready for his journey so hastily that he had with him no chariot and no he-goats and no retinue he went out over midgard in the guise of a young lad and came one evening at twilight to a certain giant's who was called hymir thor abode as guest there overnight but at dawn hymir arose and clothed himself and made ready to row to see a fishing then thor sprang up and was speedily ready and asked hymir to let him row to sea with him but hymir said that thor would be of little help to him being so small and a youth and thou wilt freeze if i stay so long and so far out as i am wont but thor said that he would be able to row far out from land for the reason that it was not certain whether he would be the first to ask to row back thor became so enraged at the giant that he was forthwith ready to let his hammer crash against him but he forced himself to forbear since he purposed to try his strength in another quarter 
he asked hymir what they should have for bait but hymir bade him get bait for himself then thor turned away thither where he saw a certain herd of oxen which hymir owned he took the largest ox called himinbriotur and cut off its head and went therewith to the sea by that time hymir had shoved out the boat thor went aboard the skiff and sat down in the stern seat took two oars and rowed and it seemed to hymir that swift progress came of his rowing hymir rowed forward in the bow and the rowing proceeded rapidly then hymir said that they had arrived at those fishing banks where he was wont to anchor and angle for flatfish but thor said that he desired to row much farther and they took a sharp pull then hymir said that they had come so far that it was perilous to abide out farther because of the midgard serpent thor replied that they would row a while yet and so he did but hymir was then sore afraid now as soon as thor had laid by the oars he made ready a very strong fishing line and the hook was no less large and strong then thor put the ox head on the hook and cast it overboard and the hook went to the bottom and it is telling thee the truth to say that then thor beguiled the midgard serpent no less than utgarda loki had mocked thor at the time when he lifted up the serpent in his hand the midgard serpent snapped at the ox head and the hook caught in its jaw but when the serpent was aware of this it dashed away so fiercely that both thor's fists crashed against the gunwale then thor was angered and took upon him his divine strength braced his feet so strongly that he plunged through the ship with both feet and dashed his feet against the bottom then he drew the serpent up to the gunwale and it may be said that no one has seen very fearful sights who might not see that how thor flashed fiery glances at the serpent and the serpent in turn stared up toward him from below and blew venom then it is said the giant hymir grew pale became yellow and was sore afraid when he saw the serpent and how the sea rushed out and in through the boat in the very moment when thor clutched his hammer and raised it on high then the giant fumbled for his fish-knife and hacked off thor's line at the gunwale and the serpent sank down into the sea thor hurled his hammer after it and men say that he struck off its head against the bottom but i think it were true to tell thee that the midgard serpent yet lives and lies in the encompassing sea but thor swung his fist and brought it against hymir's ear so that he plunged overboard and thor saw the soles of his feet and thor waited to land end of gilfagening section forty eight recording by expatriate in bangor maine Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7pm um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it 
to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble stores, Redbubble, say that three times, all of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They are incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash midgardmusings and youtube.com slash midgardmusings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S will find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Gilfogening, sections 49 to 54 of the Prose Edda by Snorri Sturluson. Translated by Arthur Gilchrist Brodeur, 1888 to 1971. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. The Beguiling of Gilfi, section 49. Then spake Gangleri have any more matters of note befallen among the aesir a very great deed of valour did thor achieve on that journey hor made answer now shall be told of those tidings which seemed of more consequence to the aesir the beginning of the story is this that baldr the good dreamed great and perilous dreams touching his life when he told these dreams to the aesir then they took counsel together and this was their decision to ask safety for baldr from all kinds of dangers and frigg took oaths to this purport that fire and water should spare baldr likewise iron and metal of all kinds stones earth trees sicknesses beasts birds venom serpents and when that was done and made known then it was a diversion of baldr's and the aesir that he should stand up in the thing Note, the thing was the legislative assembly of iceland less specifically a formal assembly held for judicial purposes or to settle questions of moment an assembly of men End note. and all the others should some shoot at him some hew at him some beat him with stones but whatsoever was done hurt him not at all and that seemed to them all a very worshipful thing but when loki laufierson saw this it pleased him ill that baldr took no hurt he went to fensalir to frigg and made himself into the likeness of a woman then frigg asked if that woman knew what the aesir did at the thing she said that all were shooting at baldr and moreover that he took no hurt then said frigg neither weapons nor trees may hurt baldr i have taken oaths of them all then the woman asked have all things taken oaths to spare baldr and frigg answered there grows a tree sprout alone westward of valhalla it is called mistletoe i thought it too young to ask the oath of then straightway the woman turned away but loki took mistletoe and pulled it up and went to the thing hudr stood outside the ring of men because he was blind then spake loki to him 
why dost thou not shoot at baldr he answered because i see not where baldr is and for this also that i am weaponless then said loki do thou also after the manner of other men and show baldr honour as the other men do i will direct thee where he stands shoot at him with this wand hudr took mistletoe and shot at baldr being guided by loki the shaft flew through baldr and he fell dead to the earth and that was the greatest mischance that has ever befallen among gods and men then when baldr was fallen words failed all the aesir and their hands likewise to lay hold of him each looked at the other and all were of one mind as to him who had wrought the work but none might take vengeance so great a sanctuary was in that place but when the aesir tried to speak then it befell first that weeping broke out so that none might speak to the others with words concerning his grief but odin bore that misfortune by so much the worst as he had most perception of how great harm and loss for the aesir were in the death of baldr now when the gods had come to themselves frigg spake and asked who there might be among the aesir who would fain have for his own all her love and favour let him ride the road to hell and seek if he may find baldr and offer hell a ransom if she will let baldr come home to asgard and he is named hermodr the bold odin's son who undertook that embassy then sleipnir was taken odin's steed and led forward and hermodr mounted on that horse and galloped off the aesir took the body of baldr and brought it to the sea hringhorni is the name of baldr's ship it was greatest of all ships the gods would have launched it and made baldr's pyre thereon but the ship stirred not forward then word was sent to jutunheim after that giantess who is called hirokin when she had come riding a wolf and having a viper for bridle then she leaped off the steed and odin called to four berserks to tend the steed but they were not able to hold it until they had felled it then hirokin went to the prow of the boat and thrust it out at the first push so that fire burst from the rollers and all lands trembled thor became angry and clutched his hammer and would straightway have broken her head had not the gods prayed for peace for her then was the body of baldr borne out on shipboard and when his wife nanna the daughter of nep saw that straightway her heart burst with grief and she died she was borne to the pyre and fire was kindled then thor stood by and hallowed the pyre with mjolnir and before his feet ran a certain dwarf which was named litir thor kicked at him with his foot and thrust him into the fire and he burned people of many races visited this burning first it to be told of odin how frigg and the valkyrie went with him and his ravens but freyr drove in his chariot with a boar called goldmane or fearful tusk and heimdallr rode the horse called goldtop and freya drove her cats thither came also much people of the rime giants and the hill giants odin laid on the pyre that gold ring which is called draupnir this quality attended it that every ninth night there dropped from it eight gold rings of equal weight baldr's horse was led to the balefire with all his trappings now this is to be told concerning hermodr that he rode nine nights through dark dales and deep so that he saw not before he was come to the river gjul and rode unto the gjul bridge which bridge is thatched with glittering gold modgudr is the maiden called 
who guards the bridge she asked him his name and race saying that the day before there had ridden over the bridge five companies of dead men but the bridge thunders no less under thee alone and thou hast not the colour of dead men why ridest thou hither on hellway he answered i am appointed to ride to hell to seek out baldr hast thou perchance seen baldr on hellway she said that baldr had ridden there over gjul's bridge but down and north lieth hellway then hermodr rode on till he came to hellgate he dismounted from his steed and made his girths fast mounted and pricked him with his spurs and the steed leaped so hard over the gate that he came nowise near to it then hermodr rode home to the hall and dismounted from his steed went into the hall and saw sitting there in the high seat baldr his brother and hermodr tarried there overnight at morn hermodr prayed hell that baldr might ride home with him and told her how great weeping was among the aesir but hell said that in this wise it should be put to the test whether baldr were so all-beloved as had been said if all things in the world quick and dead weep for him then he shall go back to the aesir but he shall remain with hell if any gainsay it or will not weep then hermodr arose but baldr led him out of the hall and took the ring draupnir and sent it to odin for a remembrance and nanna sent frigg a linen smock and yet more gifts and to fulla a golden finger ring then hermodr rode his way back and came into asgard and told all those tidings which he had seen and heard thereupon the aesir sent over all the world messengers to pray that baldr be wept out of hell and all men did this and quick things and the earth and stones and trees and all metals even as thou must have seen that these things weep when they come out of frost and into the heat then when the messengers went home having well wrought their errand they found in a certain cave where a giantess sat she called herself thuk they prayed her to weep baldr out of hell she answered thuk will weep waterless tears for baldr's balefare living or dead i love not the churl's son let hell hold to that she hath and men deemed that she who was there was loki laufiarsson who hath wrought most ill among the aesir fifty then said gangleri exceeding much loki had brought to pass when he had first been caused that baldr was slain and then that he was not redeemed out of hell was any vengeance taken on him for this hor answered this thing was repaid him in such wise that he shall remember it long when the gods had become as wroth with him as was to be looked for he ran off and hid himself in a certain mountain there he made a house with four doors so that he could see out of the house in all directions often throughout the day he turned himself into the likeness of a salmon and hid himself in the place called franangr falls then he would ponder what manner of wile the gods would devise to take him in the waterfall but when he sat in the house he took twine of linen and knitted meshes as a net is made since but a fire burned before him then he saw that the aesir were close upon him and odin had seen from hlidskjalf where he was he leaped up at once and out into the river but cast the net into the fire when the aesir had come to the house he went in first who was wisest of all who was called kvasir and when he saw in the fire the white ash where the net had burned 
then he perceived that that thing must be a device for catching fish and told it to the aesir straightway they took hold and made themselves a net after the pattern of the one which they perceived by the burnt-out ashes that loki had made when the net was ready then the aesir went to the river and cast the net into the fall thor held one end of the net and all of the aesir held the other and they drew the net but loki darted ahead and lay down between two stones they drew the net over him and perceived that something living was in front of it a second time they went up to the fall and cast out the net having bound it to something so heavy that nothing should be able to pass under it then loki swam ahead of the net but when he saw that it was but a short distance to the sea then he jumped up over the net rope and ran into the fall now the aesir saw where he went and went up again to the fall and divided the company into two parts but thor waded along in midstream and so they went out toward the sea now loki saw a choice of two courses it was a mortal peril to dash out into the sea but this was the second to leap over the net again and so he did he leaped as swiftly as he could over the net cord thor clutched at him and got hold of him and he slipped in thor's hand so that the hand stopped at the tail and for this reason the salmon has a tapering back now loki was taken truceless and was brought with them into a certain cave thereupon they took three flat stones and set them on edge and drilled a hole in each stone then were taken loki's sons vali and nari or narfi the aesir changed vali into the form of a wolf and he tore asunder narfi his brother and the aesir took his entrails and bound loki with them over the three stones one stands under his shoulders the second under his loins the third under his huffs and those bonds were turned to iron then skadi took a venomous serpent and fastened it up over him so that the venom should drip from the serpent into his face but sigin his wife stands near him and holds a basin under the venom drops and when the basin is full she goes and pours out the venom but in the meantime the venom drips into his face then he writhes against it with such force that all the earth trembles ye call that earthquakes there he lies in bonds till the weird of the gods fifty one then said gangleri what tidings are to be told concerning the weird of the gods never before have i heard aught said of this har answered great tidings are to be told of it and much the first is this that there shall come that winter which is called the awful winter in that time snow shall drive from all quarters frost shall be great then and winds sharp there shall be no virtue in the sun those winters shall proceed three in succession and no summer between but first shall come three other winters such that over all the world there shall be mighty battles in that time brothers shall slay each other for greed's sake and none shall spare father or son in manslaughter and in incest so it says in voluspa brothers shall strive and slaughter each other own sisters children shall sin together ill days among men many a whoredom an axe age a sword age shields shall be cloven a wind age a wolf age ere the world totters then shall happen what seems great tidings the wolf shall swallow the sun and this shall seem to men a great harm then the other wolf shall seize the moon and he also shall work great ruin the stars shall vanish from the heavens 
then shall come to pass these tidings also all the earth shall tremble so and the crags the trees shall be torn up from the earth and the crags fall to ruin and all fetters and bonds shall be broken and rent then shall fenris wolf get loose then the sea shall gush forth upon the land because the midgard serpent stirs in giant wrath and advances up onto the land then that too shall happen that naglfar shall be loosened the ship which is so named it is made of dead men's nails wherefore a warning is desirable that if a man die with unshorn nails that man adds much material to the ship naglfar which gods and men were fain to have finished late yet in this sea-flood naglfar shall float hrimir is the name of the giant who steers naglfar fenriswolf shall advance with gaping mouth and his lower jaw shall be against the earth but the upper against heaven he would gape yet more if there were room for it fires blaze from his eyes and nostrils the midgard serpent shall blow venom so that he shall sprinkle all the air and water and he is very terrible and shall be on one side of the wolf in this din shall the heaven be cloven and the sons of muspel ride thence surtur shall ride first and both before him and after him burning fire his sword is exceeding good from it radiance shines brighter than from the sun when they ride over bifrust then the bridge shall break as has been told before the sons of muspel shall go forth to that field which is called vigridr thither shall come fenris wolf also and the midgard serpent then loki and hrimir shall come there also and with him all the rime giants all the champions of hell follow loki and the sons of muspel shall have a company by themselves and it shall be very bright the field vigridr is a hundred leagues wide each way when these tidings come to pass then shall heimdallr rise up and blow mightily in the Gjallarhorn, and awaken all the gods and they shall hold counsel together then odin shall ride to mimir's well and take counsel of mimir for himself and his host then the ash of yggdrasil shall tremble and nothing then shall be without fear in heaven or in earth then shall the aesir put on their war-weeds and all the champions and advance to the field odin rides first with a gold helmet and a fair burney and his spear which is called gungnir he shall go forth against fenris wolf and thor stands forward on his other side and can be of no avail to him because he shall have his hands full to fight against the midgard serpent freyr shall contend with surtur and a hard encounter shall there be between them before freyr falls it is to be his death that he lacks that good sword of his which he gave to skirnir then shall the dog garmer be loosed which is bound before gnipa's cave he is the greatest monster he shall do battle with tyr and each become the other's slayer thor shall put to death the midgard serpent and shall stride away nine paces from that spot then shall he fall dead to the earth because of the venom which the snake has blown at him the wolf shall swallow odin that shall be his ending but straight thereafter shall vidar stride forth and set one foot upon the lower jaw of the wolf on that foot he has the shoe materials for which have been gathering throughout all time there are the scraps of leather which men cut out of their shoes at toe or heel therefore he who desires in his heart to come to the aesir's help 
should cast those scraps away with one hand he shall seize the wolf's upper jaw and tear his gullet asunder and that is the death of the wolf loki shall have battle with heimdallr and each shall be the slayer of the other then straightway shall surtur cast fire over the earth and burn all the world so is said in voluspa high blows heimdallr the horn is aloft odin communes with mimir's head trembles yggdrasil's towering ash the old tree wails when the ettin is loosed what of the aesir what of the elf folk all jutunheim echoes the aesir are at council the dwarves are groaning before their stone doors wise in rock walls wit ye yet or what hrymir sails from the east the sea floods onward the monstrous beast twists in mighty wrath the snake beats the waves the eagle is screaming the gold neb tears corpses nagelfar is loosed from the east sails the keel come now muspel's folk over the sea waves and loki steereth there are the warlocks all with the wolf with them is the brother of Beleister faring surtur fares from southward with switch-eating flame on his sword shimmers the sun of the war-gods the rocks are falling and fiends are reeling heroes tread hellway heaven is cloven then to the goddess a second grief cometh when odin fares to fight with the wolf and beli's slayer the bright god with surtur there must fall frigg's beloved odin's son goeth to strife with the wolf vidar speeding to meet the slaughter-beast the sword in his hand to the heart he thrusteth of the fiend's offspring avenged is his father now goeth hludin's glorious son not in flight from the serpent of fear unheeding all the earth's offspring must empty the homesteads when furiously smiteth midgard's defender the sun shall be darkened earth sinks in the sea glide from the heaven the glittering stars smoke reek rages and reddening fire the high heat licks against heaven itself and here it says yet so vigridir height the field wherein fight shall meet surtur and the cherished gods an hundred leagues it has on each side unto them that field is fated fifty two then said gangleri what shall come to pass afterward when all the world is burned and dead are all the gods and all the champions and all mankind have ye not said before that every man shall live in some world throughout all ages then thridi answered in that time the good abodes shall be many and many the ill then it shall be best to be in gimle in heaven moreover there is plenteous abundance of good drink for them that esteem that a pleasure in the hall which is called brimir it stands in okolnir that too is a good hall which stands in nida fells made of red gold its name is sindri in these halls shall dwell good men and pure in heart in nostrand is a great hall in evil and its doors face to the north it is all woven of serpent backs like a wattle house and all the snakeheads turn into the house and blow venom so that along the hall run rivers of venom and they who have broken oaths and murderers wade those rivers even as it says here i know a hall standing far from the sun in nostrand the doors to northward are turned venom drops fall down from the roof holes that hall is bordered with backs of serpents 
there are doomed to wade the weltering streams men that are man sworn and they that murderers are but it is worse in hvergelmir there the cursed snake tears dead men's corpses fifty three then spake gangleri shall any of the gods live then or shall there be then any earth or heaven hor answered in that time the earth shall emerge out of the sea and shall then be green and fair then shall the fruits of it be brought forth unsown vidar and vali shall be living inasmuch as neither sea nor the fire of surtur shall have harmed them and they shall dwell at ida plain where asgard was before and then the sons of thor modi and magni shall come there and they shall have mjolnir there after that baldr shall come thither and hudir from hell then all shall sit down together and hold speech with one another and call to mind their secret wisdom and speak of those happenings which have been before of the midgard serpent and of fenris wolf then they shall find in the grass those golden chest pieces which the aesir had had thus is it said in the deity's shrine shall dwell vidar and vali when the fire of surtur is slackened modi and magni shall have mjolnir at the ceasing of thor's strife in the place called hodmimir's holt there shall lie hidden during the fire of surtur two of mankind who are called thus leif and leifthrasir and for food they shall have the morning dews from these folk shall come so numerous an offspring that all the world shall be peopled even as is said here leif and leifthrasir these shall lurk hidden in the holt of hodmimir the morning dews their meat shall be thence are gendered the generations and it may seem wonderful to thee that the son shall have borne a daughter not less fair than herself and the daughter shall then tread in the steps of her mother as is said here the elfin beam shall bear a daughter ere fenris drags her forth that maid shall go when the great gods die to ride her mother's road but now if thou art able to ask yet further then indeed i know not whence answer shall come to thee for i never heard any man tell forth at greater length the course of the world and now avail thyself of that which thou hast heard fifty four thereupon gangleri heard great noises on every side of him and then when he had looked about him more lo he stood out of doors on a level plain and saw no hall there and no castle then he went his way forth and came home into his kingdom and told those tidings which he had seen and heard and after him each man told these tales to the other here vilken closes his edition jonsson admits the following but the aesir sat them down to speak together and took counsel and recalled all these tales which had been told to him and they gave these same names that were named before to those men and places that were there to the end that when long ages should have passed away men should not doubt thereof that those aesir that were but now spoken of and these to whom the same names were then given were all one there thor was so named and he is the old asa thor all reject what follows he is uku thor and to him are ascribed those mighty works which hector wrought in troy but this is the belief of men that the turks told of ulysses and called him loki for the turks were his greatest foes
end of the gefalgening recording by expatriate in bangor maine Caparmo, sections one and two of the prose edda by snorri sturluson translated by arthur gilchrist brodeur eighteen eighty eight to nineteen seventy one this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine the poesy of skalds section one a certain man was named egir or hler he dwelt on the island which is now called hler's isle and was deeply versed in black magic he took his way to asgard but the aesir had foreknowledge of his journey he was received with good cheer and yet many things were done by deceit with eye illusions and at evening when it was time for drinking odin had swords brought into the hall so bright that light radiated from them and other illumination was not used while they sat at drinking then the aesir came into their banquet and in the high seat sat them down those twelve aesir who were appointed to be judges these were their names thor njordr freyr tyr heimdallr bragi vidar vali ullr hinir forseti loki and in like manner the asinjur frigg freya gefjun idun gerdr sigin fula nana it seemed glorious to egir to look about him in the hall the wainscotings there were all hung with fair shields there was also stinging mead copiously quaffed the man seated next to egir was bragi and they took part together in drinking and in converse bragi told egir of many things which had come to pass among the aesir he began the story at the point where three of the aesir odin and loki and hinir departed from home and were wandering over mountains and wastes and food was hard to find but when they came down into a certain dale they saw a herd of oxen took one ox and set about cooking it now when they thought that it must be cooked they broke up the fire and it was not cooked after a while had passed they having scattered the fire a second time it was not cooked they took counsel together asking each other what it might mean then they heard a voice speaking in the oak up above them declaring that he who sat there confessed that he had caused the lack of virtue in the fire they looked thither and there sat an eagle and it was no small one then the eagle said if ye are willing to give me my fill of the ox then it will cook in the fire they assented to this then he let himself float down from the tree and alighted by the fire and forthwith at the very first took unto himself the two hams of the ox and both shoulders then loki was angered snatched up a great pole brandished it with all his strength and drove it at the eagle's body the eagle plunged violently at the blow and flew up so that the pole was fast to the eagle's back and loki's hands to the other end of the pole the eagle flew at such a height that loki's feet down below knocked against stones and rock heaps and trees and he thought his arms would be torn from his shoulders 
he cried aloud entreating the eagle urgently for peace but the eagle declared that loki should never be loosed unless he would give him his oath to induce idun to come out of asgard with her apples loki assented and being straightway loosed went to his companions nor for that time are any more things reported concerning their journey until they had come home but at the appointed time loki lured idun out of asgard into a certain wood saying that he had found such apples as would seem to her of great virtue and prayed that she would have her apples with her and compare them with these then thiazi the giant came there in his eagle's plumage and took idun and flew away with her off into thrymheimr to his abode but the aesir became straitened at the disappearance of idun and speedily they became hoary and old then those aesir took counsel together and each asked the other what had last been known of idun and the last that had been seen was that she had gone out of asgard with loki thereupon loki was seized and brought to the thing and was threatened with death or tortures when he had become well frightened he declared that he would seek after idun in jutunheim if freya would lend him the hawk's plumage which she possessed and when he got the hawk's plumage he flew north into jutunheim and came on a certain day to the home of thiazi the giant thiazi had rowed out to sea but idun was at home alone loki turned her into the shape of a nut and grasped her in his claws and flew his utmost now when thiazi came home and missed idun he took his eagle's plumage and flew after loki making a mighty rush of sound with his wings in his flight but when the aesir saw how the hawk flew with the nut and where the eagle was flying they went out below asgard and bore burdens of plane shavings thither as soon as the hawk flew into the citadel he swooped down close by the castle wall then the aesir struck fire to the plane shavings but the eagle could not stop himself when he missed the hawk the feathers of the eagle caught fire and straightway his flight ceased then the aesir were near at hand and slew thiazi the giant within the gate of the aesir and that slaying is exceeding famous now skadi the daughter of the giant thiazi took helm and burney and all weapons of war and proceeded to asgard to avenge her father the aesir however offered her reconciliation and atonement the first article was that she should choose for herself a husband from among the aesir and choose by the feet only seeing no more of him then she saw the feet of one man passing fair and said i choose this one in balder little can be loathly but that was njordr of noatun she had this article also in her bond of reconciliation that the aesir must do a thing she thought they would not be able to accomplish to make her laugh then loki did this he tied a cord to the beard of a goat the other end being about his own genitals and each gave way in turn and each of the two screeched loudly then loki let himself fall onto skadi's knee and she laughed thereupon reconciliation was made with her on the part of the aesir it is so said that odin did this by way of atonement to skadi he took thiazi's eyes and cast them up into the heavens and made of them two stars then said aegir it seems to me that thiazi was a mighty man now of what family was he bragi answered his father was called ulvaldi and if i tell thee of him thou wilt think these things wonders he was very rich in gold but when he died and his sons came to divide the inheritance 
they determined upon this measure for the gold which they divided each should take as much as his mouth would hold and all the same number of mouthfuls one of them was tiazi the second idi the third ganger and we have it as a metaphor among us now to call gold the mouth tail of these giants but we conceal it in secret terms or in poesy in this way that we call it speech or word or talk of these giants then said ygir i deem that well concealed in secret terms and again said ygir whence did this art which ye call poesy derive its beginnings bragi answered these were the beginnings thereof the gods had a dispute with the folk which are called vanir and they appointed a peace meeting between them and established peace in this way they each went to a vat and spat their spittle therein then at parting the gods took that peace token and would not let it perish but shaped thereof a man this man is called kvasir and he was so wise that none could question him concerning anything but that he knew the solution he went up and down the earth to give instruction to men and when he came upon invitation to the abode of certain dwarves fjallar and galar they called him into privy converse with them and killed him letting his blood run into two vats and a kettle the kettle is called odrerir and the vats sun and bodin they blended honey with the blood and the outcome was that mead by the virtue of which he who drinks becomes a skald or scholar the dwarves reported to the aesir that kvasir had choked on his own shrewdness since there was none so wise there as to be able to question his wisdom then these dwarves invited the giant who is called gilingir to visit them and his wife with him next the dwarves invited gilingir to row upon the sea with them but when they had gone out from the land the dwarves rowed into the breakers and capsized the boat gilingir was unable to swim and he perished but the dwarves righted their boat and rowed to land they reported this accident to his wife but she took it grievously and wept aloud then fjallar asked her whether it would ease her heart if she should look out upon the sea at the spot where he had perished and she desired it then he spoke softly to galar his brother bidding him go up over the doorway when she should go out and let a millstone fall on her head saying that her weeping grew wearisome to him and even so he did now when the giant sutungr gilingr's son learned of this he went over and took the dwarves and carried them out to sea and set them on a reef which was covered at high tide they besought sutungr to give them respite of their lives and as the price of reconciliation offered him the precious mead in satisfaction of his father's death and that became a means of reconciliation between them sutungr carried the mead home and concealed it in the place called nitbjorg placing his daughter gunnlod there to watch over it because of this we call poesy kvasir's blood or dwarves drink or fill or any kind of liquid of odrerir or of bodin or of sun or a ferry-boat of dwarves since this mead brought them life ransom from the reef or sutungr's mead or liquor of nitbjorg then ygir said these seem to me dark sayings to call poesy by these names but how did ye aesir come at sutungr's mead bragi answered that tale runs thus odin departed from home and came to a certain place where nine thralls were mowing hay he asked if they desired him to wet their sides and they assented then he took a hone from his belt and wetted the sides 
it seemed to them that the scythes cut better by far and they asked that the hone be sold them but he put such a value on it that whoso desired to buy must give a considerable price none the less all said that they would agree and prayed him to sell it to them he cast the hone up into the air but since all wished to lay their hands on it they became so intermingled with one another that each struck with his scythe against the other's neck odin saw a night's lodging with the giant who is called baugi suttungr's brother baugi bewailed his husbandry saying that his nine thralls had killed one another and declared that he had no hope of workmen odin called himself bulverker in baugi's presence he offered to undertake nine men's work for baugi and demanded for his wages one drink of suttungr's mead baugi declared that he had no control whatever over the mead and said that suttungr was determined to have it to himself but promised to go with bulverker and try if they might get the mead during the summer bulverker accomplished nine men's work for baugi but when winter came he asked baugi for his hire then they both set out for suttungr's baugi told suttungr his brother of his bargain with bulverker but suttungr flatly refused them a single drop of the mead and bulverker made suggestion to baugi that they try certain wiles if perchance they might find means to get at the mead and baugi agreed readily thereupon bulverker drew out the auger called rati saying that baugi must bore the rock if the auger cut he did so at last baugi said that the rock was bored through but bulverker blew into the auger hole and the chips flew up at him then he discovered that baugi would have deceived him and he bade him bore through the rock baugi bored anew and when bulverker blew a second time then the chips were blown in by the blast then bulverker turned himself into a serpent and crawled into the auger hole but baugi thrust at him from behind with the auger and missed him bulverker proceeded to the place where gunnlod was and lay with her three nights and then she gave him leave to drink three draughts of the mead in the first draught he drank every drop out of odrerir and in the second he emptied bodin and in the third sun and then he had all the mead then he turned himself into the shape of an eagle and flew as furiously as he could but when suttungr saw the eagle's flight he too assumed the fashion of an eagle and flew after him when the aesir saw odin flying straightway they set out their vats in the court and when odin came into asgard he spat up the mead into the vats nevertheless he came so near to being caught by suttungr that he sent some mead backwards and no heed was taken of this whosoever would might have that and we call that the poetaster's part but odin gave the mead of suttungr to the aesir and to those men who possess the ability to compose therefore we call poesy odin's booty and find and his drink and gift and the drink of the aesir then said aegir in how many ways are the terms of skaldship variously phrased or how many are the essential elements of the skaldic art then bragi answered the elements into which all poesy is divided are two aegir asked what two bragi said metaphor and metre what manner of metaphor is used for skaldic writing three are the types of skaldic metaphor which thus first calling everything by its name the second type is that which is called substitution the third type of metaphor is that which is called periphrasis 
and this type is employed in such manner suppose i take odin or thor or tyr or any of the aesir or elves and to any of them whom i mention i add the name of a property of some other of the aesir or i record certain works of his thereupon he becomes owner of the name and not the one whose name was applied to him just as when we speak of victory tier or tier of the hanged or tier of cargoes that then becomes odin's name and we call these periphrastic names so also with the title tier of the wain but now one thing must be said to young skalds to such as yearn to attain to the craft of poesy and to increase their store of figures with traditional metaphors or to those who crave to acquire the faculty of discerning what is said in hidden phrase let such an one then interpret this book to his instruction and pleasure yet one is not so to forget or discredit these traditions as to remove from poesy those ancient metaphors with which it has pleased chief skalds to be content nor on the other hand ought christian men to believe in heathen gods nor in the truth of these tales otherwise than precisely as one may find here in the beginning of the book section two now you may hear examples of the way in which chief skalds have held it becoming to compose making use of these simple terms and paraphrases as when arnor earl's skald says that odin is called all-father now i'll tell men the virtue of the terrible jarl all-father's song surf streams late my sorrows lightened here moreover he calls poesy the song surf of all-father havardr the halt sang thus now is the flight of eagles over the field the sailors of the sea-horses hie them to the hanged god's gifts and feasting thus sang viga glumer with the hanged god's helmet the hosts have ceased from going by the brink not pleasant the bravest held the venture thus sang refer oft the gracious one came to me at the holy cup of the raven god the king of the stem-ploughed sea's gold from the skald in death is sundered thus sang eyvindr skald despoiler and sigurdr he who sated the ravens of cargo god with the gore of the host of slain haddings of life was spoiled by the earth rulers at uglo thus sang glumer geirison there the tear of triumph himself inspired the terror of ships the gods of breezes that favour good men steered them thus sang eyvindr gundul and skugul gauta tyr sent to choose from kings who of ingvi's kin should go with odin and be in valhalla thus sang ulfr ugason swiftly the far-famed rideth the foretelling god to the fire speeds to the wide pyre of his offspring through my cheeks praise songs are pouring thus sang tjoldolfr of vin the slain lay there sand strewing spoil for the single-eyed dweller in frigg's bosom in such deeds we rejoiced alfredr sang thus the doughty ship-possessor with sharpened words and soothfast lures our land the patient barley-locked wife of thridi here is an example of this metaphor that in poesy the earth is called the wife of odin here is told what eyvindr sang hermodr and bragi spake hraptotir go ye to greet the prince 
for a king who seemeth a champion cometh to the hall hither thus sang kormakr the giver of lands who bindeth the sail to the top with gold lace honours him who pours god's verse mead odin wrought charms on rinder thus sang steintor much have i to laud the ancient maid though little liquor of the valiant load of gunlud's arm-clasp thus sang ulfr ugason there i think the valkyrs follow and ravens victorious odin to the blood of holy balder with old tales the hall was painted thus sang egil skalagrimson no victims for this to vili's brother the high god i offer glad to behold him yet hath mimir's friend on me bestowed amends of evil which i account better he has given me the art he the wolf's opposer accustomed to battle of blemish blameless here he is called high god and friend of mimir and adversary of the wolf thus sang refer swift god of slain that wieldeth the snowy billows wave hawks the ships that drive the sea road to thee we owe the dwarves drink thus sang einar tinkling scale tis mine to pour the liquor of the host gods mead cask freely before the ship's swift speeder for this i win no scorning thus sang ulfr ugason his steed the lordly heimdallr spurs to the pyre gods builded for the fallen son of odin the all-wise raven ruler this is said in eiriksmal what dream is that quoth odin i thought to rise ere daybreak to make valhalla ready for troops of slain i roused the champions bade them rise swiftly benches to strew to wash beer flagons the valkyrs to pour wine as a prince were coming kormakr sang this i pray the precious ruler of ingvi's people or me to hold his hand bow shaking propter bore with him gungnir thoralfr sang this the mighty one of hlidskjalf spoke his mind unto them where the hosts of fearless hrakr were slaughtered thus sang eyvinder the mead which forth from surtur's sunk dales the strong through spells swift flying bore so sang bragi tis seen on my shield's surface how the son of the father of peoples craved to try his strength full swiftly gainst the rain-beat snake earth circling thus sang einar since less with besla's offspring prevail most lordly princes than thou my task is singing thy praise in songs of battle thus sang thorvaldr blending skald now have i much in the middle grasp of the son of bor of buri's heir end of skalds kaparma section two recording by expatriate in bangor maine